Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
this morning saying amen to that. All right, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, good morning, Grindsburg. And I know that most of you are out there on television or Facebook Live, but we are glad to have you with us this morning on what has turned out to be a very cold and snowy and icy week. It looks like we're going to have another one leading in, uh, even with the snow coming down this morning. But we rejoice. The Lord, at this particular time in history, has given us the ability to worship together even though we can't be together uh, in person. And so we're very thankful for that. I thank the Lord uh, for our technical crew and for uh, our instrumentalists and Brother Rodney, everybody being able to come in and make this service possible for you inside of your homes. Hopefully you're warm and safe and don't have to get out today. Uh, but we're glad that we can have this time of worship together. Uh, in your bulletins, you see, uh, hopefully you got those through your email. Uh, and a lot of things going on. I do want to remind all of our parents, grandparents, uh, of kids that are planning on going to children's camp with us this year. Uh, please make sure and be with us next Sunday morning as we'll be having our sign-up meeting for kids' camp. And so uh, be talking to your child, grandchild, uh, those that went usually going to camp with us, and uh, we'd love for them to be able to go again this year, and so we just need to get them signed up so we can get those payments in as it is that time of year uh, for that, and hopefully uh, we'll have a good crew being able to go with us again this year. Also, uh, D Now is coming up very quickly. That'll be going on March the 12th uh, through the 14th, and if you have any questions about that, you can uh, talk to uh, Patrick Adamson, but that'll be in Paducah this year, and we're looking forward to a wonderful time of our students being able to be in God's Word and worship uh, throughout the entire weekend. And always a very special weekend for our young people. Again, we do have many on our prayer list. Uh, it seems like we've got so many who are either recovering from surgeries or, or having to face those here in the next week or so. And we certainly do want to remember all of those folks. Uh, many of you are still dealing with cancer right now and going through treatments. I've talked to several of you this week and praying for you as you're going through those issues right now. And uh, we're thankful for the Lord uh, giving strength even during those difficult days for many of you. Uh, and we certainly do want to remember all of those needs. Uh, but we also know there's many other issues going on right now. Many families are struggling in a variety of different ways with relationships and finances. And, uh, right now I'm trying to do school and everything else just inside the house. I know that's a stressful on many of our families, but most importantly, we want to pray for the lost around our lives. And beginning next Sunday morning, uh, we'll be beginning in our Sunday school classes, as well as in our worship time, focusing on gospel to every home. And so, uh, as we looked last year at who's we want, we want to continue to pray for that person. We want to continue to try to share the gospel with that person, but also all of your neighbors. And we've given you some tools already this year to begin that process of praying for your neighbors, especially about how you can share with your neighbors. Um, most importantly, we want to take the gospel to those who have a family too. So we have many opportunities to do that. In the month of March, we're going to be taking a lot of uh, gospel evangelistic tools to our neighbors for them to be able to hear and see the gospel presented in some uh, multimedia kind of ways. And so uh, we're praying for a great harvest here in 2021. And I know you want to pray alongside us in that same way. So at this time, let's pray for these needs on our service as well as our praying for these opportunities to do Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your will. And Lord, even in the, sometimes the stress that comes with winter weather, the snow, and the ice, Lord, we can't help but look out and just see all of your creation and your beauty. 
and those snowflakes fall because of the wonder of all that you have done in your faithful and how beautiful it is to, to see that ice and, and, and the way that it glistens in the sun, Lord. Uh, you are an awesome one. And this morning we're reminded that you love us. Lord, we're reminded of how blessed we are to, to live in a day where we can come together even in a virtual way to be able to worship. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, thank you for our families that are gathered together around the television or a computer screen. Lord, thank you that we are able to come together and because of the Holy Spirit, we know that we all will. And Lord, we can lift up our hearts and our voices and praise. Lord, we can lift up these prayers together and expect your mercy. And Lord, I pray today that those that are watching, Lord, if there's one that doesn't yet know you as Savior, Lord, that today would be a day of salvation. Even in their home today, in the cattle feed of the place, Lord, you speak to them, Lord, you speak to them of sin, Lord, they return to you for salvation. Lord, we pray for salvation Lord, today, we pray for our neighbors for coming down, but we want to see a great revival right there, that can only be a credit to you. So, Lord, let that begin today. We love you. We love What you can do is you sing this praise song together. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire.
Memphis medley being a core source of encouragement. And as we sing, I'll fly away, we'll begin with that. Where? 
Then I see you standing near me, Lord, shining with compassion in your eyes. 
Jesus, shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Lean me, Lord, I'll follow anywhere you open up the door. Let your word speak to me. Show me what I've never seen before. Lord, I want to be a You can take what's wrong and make it right. You can make it hard. Day stars shine down on me. Let your love shine through me in the night. Jesus shine. Let your love shine through me in the night. That special music this morning. Today you'll be listening to the message preached by our pastor, Brother Brad Walker, during our Sunday morning worship service. May God bless you as you listen to his message.
individual who is studying with us, Lord, that you would speak in a very special way, Lord, that we would understand this message, Lord, that the promises that you have made to us, that you are still in control. Lord, I, I recognize that we may have several watching this morning who don't yet know you as Savior and Lord. If that be the case, uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak to them in a very special way, stir their heart, help them recognize the need for salvation. Lord, I pray that they would be that way. They move to spiritual death and spiritual life. But most importantly, I, I pray you hide me behind the cross. I know I'm a very weak person, a uh, weak instrument, but Lord, in your hands, you can use me. So, Lord, hide me behind the cross, and you can see me. So, we have been on this journey uh, through the book of Revelation since July. And I don't know about you, but this book has been uh, speaking in a, in a mighty way. To me, it's been speaking to my heart as we continued in this journey. And this message today brings us actually to the halfway point in the book of Revelation. That actually takes us to the halfway point in the tribulation as well. And so, in this passage, the seventh trumpet, which was announced back in Revelation chapter 10, verse 7, is about to sound. And when it sounds, this trumpet will unleash God's final act of judgment upon the earth. The seventh trumpet will bring about a devastating wave of judgment. It will also fulfill the ancient prophecy of Joel in Joel chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 when he says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand, and a day of darkness, and of gloominess, a day of clouds, and of thick darkness, as the morning spreads upon the mountains, a great people, and a strong, there hath not been ever the light, neither shall be any more after it, even in the years of many generations. So we see here that when it sounds, this, that the seven bold judgments are to be revealed. And so these bowls contain the final awesome and awesome judgment of God. We see that in Revelation chapter 15 verse 1. And so the sound of the seventh trumpet alerts the world that King Jesus is about to reclaim everything that belongs to him. Now the seventh trumpet is sounded here in Revelation chapter 11 in verse 1. But the events that it will bring to pass are not recorded until we get to Revelation chapter 15. Chapters 12 through 14 are a retelling of the tribulation story from a different perspective. In Revelation chapter 6 through 11, the, the focus has been on the Lord Jesus. We've learned about the process that he uses to take possession of the earth. But chapters 12 through 14 will take the focus off the Lord and actually place it on the Antichrist. We've been observing the tribulation here from God's perspective. But for the next five chapters, we will observe that awful period of time from Satan's perspective. And so this passage takes us forward in time, actually to the very edge of eternity. We are transported ahead to the end of the age, to a time when Jesus has taken possession of the world and judged sin and sinners. And so as we look ahead to that blessed day, we find heaven in a state of rejoicing. And so this morning we want to look into these verses and by virtue into heaven itself. 
And in doing so, we're allowed to witness heaven's reaction to the reign of the Lord Jesus. I want to show you the, reason, the, the great reasons why we see worship and praise and excitement in heaven as time comes to an end. The word great voices translates from the Greek word mega and phone. Clearly we get our English word megaphone from those two Greek words that have been combined here. And it refers to shouting. It refers here to loud voices. And so this is a picture of loud, of, of vigorous praise, of, of, of glory being given to the Lord here in verses 15 and 16. So I want to preach this morning on this call, the heavenly voices rejoice. So if you will, turn with me there in your Bibles there at home to Revelation chapter 11. And let's look together at verses 15 through 19. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead, and they should be judged. And that thou shouldest give reward unto that servant, the prophet, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. What a powerful passage of scripture that we see relayed to us here in chapter 11 and verses 15 through 19. We, we see, first of all, in verses 16 through 17, that there is rejoicing over a ruler. Heaven rejoices because God and his son, Jesus, have taken possession of a world that was lost to sin and Satan thousands of years ago. We see here the scope of his kingdom in verse 15. Kingdoms of this world is, is the reference here. Now in the Greek, the word kingdom is actually singular. There are many rulers, leaders, kings, and presidents in this world, but there is only one true kingdom. Men think that they rule, but in reality, we, we know that Satan rules the world today. That he is the one uh, who uh, is in control of, of all these awful things that we see taking place. Satan is called the God of this world there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The Lord Jesus called him the prince of this world three times in John's gospel. In John chapter 12, verse 31, and chapter 14, verse 30, and in chapter 16, verse 11. The truth of Satan's rule can be seen in the hatred that is being leveled against Jesus Christ and his gospel in our world even today. People have no reason to hate Jesus. Why would you hate the one who came and died for you? Why would you hate the one who gave his blood that you might be forgiven of sins? But the world hates him. They do so because they are led by the devil, because they are led by the enemy of Christ. And so he is the ruler of this world today. But I praise the Lord that his kingdom is going to be very short-lived. 
Jesus Christ will come in glory and power and assume his rightful place as King, Lord, and God of this world. There is just one rightful king, and one day the whole world will bow at his feet and worship him and him alone. And his name is Jesus. But also we see in verse 15 the span of his kingdom. It says he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus won't be like every other human ruler. All human rulers eventually reach the end of their reign. Even if they reign until their death, they still reach an end of their reign. They die, they are disposed, they are replaced by others, but not Jesus, not Jesus Christ. He will reign eternally. Psalm chapter 145, verse 13, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. We know that in our own country, there's been a lot of turmoil over uh, power kind of being shifted here in the last few months. The Republicans held the reins of power in the White House and in the Senate uh, before our last election. And we know that after all of the dust finally settled, after all the accusations have been made, that finally we see that the Democrats took power and they did force the Republicans out. And there were a lot of sad people after the election because their side lost and their side no longer reigned. They had placed so much of their hope and so much of their allegiance many times upon a man, a human man, who made so many promises and now was taken out of power. However, those who give their allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ need never fear that he will be overthrown or that he will be voted out or forced out. He is and ever will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But also look at verse 17. And we see the strength of his kingdom. Here we see that God is called Almighty. Thou hast taken to thy great power and thou hast reigned. Every human kingdom fails because it is built upon the limited power of men. All earthly kingdoms today are based upon the earthly power of men. Adolf Hitler ruled by the power of fear, but he was removed by the allied forces. We know that Saddam Hussein ruled by the power of fear, but he too was overthrown. We know that Kim Jong-un in North Korea like his father and like his grandfather before him, rules by intimidation and ruthlessness. But he will be defeated. God's kingdom is established on one who holds all power. He will never be overthrown by any enemy, for he has placed all of his foes under his feet. And he will never be deposed by any rival, for he has no rival. We also see the, the stability of his kingdom. He says, which art and was and art to come. God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. He has always reigned. Now, what we just said, we talked about the power that Satan has in our world today. And I recognize that it may seem to you like Satan has his hand on the wheel of this world and that he has absolute control. It may seem like that. But even Satan is a servant 
of Almighty God, and he operates only within the limited sphere of activity that God allows him to operate in. He does not have absolute control. He only does that which God will allow him to do. His activity is limited by the providence, by the sovereignty, by the purposes, and by the power of God. And we don't always understand all the ins and the outs of that. But God has promised us that he is in control. Satan only has the ability to do that which God will allow him to do. Satan had to get permission before he could attack Job. Remember that? He had to get permission from God before he could do any of that which happened to Job. And we know that God had a plan for all of that. Satan is finite. He is limited. He is a created being. And he must always yield to the one who has reigned by eternity past, the one who will always reign. Heaven rejoices in this truth. If we really believe it, we would be rejoicing as well, knowing that our God is in absolute control of everything that is taking place. We would know without a doubt that our God reigns and that he is in absolute control of everything in this universe. If we truly believe that, then we wouldn't wring our hands as much as we so often do today. But also we see the surety of his kingdom. The surety of his kingdom. The verb phrase here, are become, is in the prolific aorist tense here. Now you say, well, what does that mean, Brother Brad? Well, this tense is used to describe future events that are so certain that they can be spoken of as if they had already happened. Okay? So it's speaking of future events that are of such certainty that they can be spoken of as if they had already happened. It's the tense that was used there in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 9, as it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ as if he had already come because he really, in, 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 the, in the mind of God, these things were done, they were, they were complete, they were surety. And that's the idea of, of what is being spoken of here. Though he ministered 700 years before Jesus, Isaiah writes of the suffering of Jesus as though it had already happened. And we see that certainty here. People can believe what they will, but one day the kingdom of this world will be given over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know that with certainty. This isn't just a wistful hope. This is a, a, a hope of a surety. We know this will happen with 100% accuracy. It will happen just as our Lord has told us that it will happen. He will rule. He will reign on the throne of this earth forever. Praise God, that is a promise that we can take to the bank. We can cast it today because it is as good as done. No wonder here we see heaven rejoicing. I thank God that I will be there when, when heaven bubbles over with those praises. I, I'm going to get to witness this. And if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you too will get to witness this. I thank him today and I praise him today for, for who he is. You see, he may not be recognized today as king of this world. Not yet. But I'm so thankful that already today, absolutely he is king of my heart. And if that's true in your life, then you have a reason to rejoice as heaven does here in chapter 11. Today. Look at verse 18 with me. And that's our second point this morning I want you to see. There is rejoicing over a reward. And there's two rewards that I want you to see this morning. First of all, the sinner's 
you'll be rewarded. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Brad? The world hates Jesus and demonstrates that hatred against him when he comes to reign. This verse looks ahead to that day when the armies of the world will come and they will gather themselves together to fight against the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. Now that's foolish. The greatest foolishness that, that you could ever have would be to fight against the Lord Jesus Christ and think you have any chance at all. The hatred of this world is clear to see, but it's clear to see even in our day. Everywhere you look, the world is trying to eradicate the name of Jesus Christ and anything to do with him in the public arena. Right here on Facebook Live, you know, the name of Jesus is not, it's not wanted. It, many times there's a, a tag put on anything that we say about Jesus because the world doesn't want his name preached. It doesn't want his name known. They will not bow to him. Their hatred is expressed in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. The world hates the name of Jesus. We see that they will rise up against him and attempt to conquer the Lord. But Psalm chapter 2 verses 49 tells us that God will have the final say in this matter, hallelujah. In the end, lost sinners will be repaid for their rejection of Jesus by facing him in judgment. That will be their reward. God will have the final word and all lost will receive the due reward of their sins. What a tragedy. Since they could have been saved, they would only have come to him. If they would only have come to Jesus, they could have been saved, but they continually rejected him. We may wonder about the saints in heaven rejoicing over the punishment of sinners. And I've had many people ask me about this. Not just here in Revelation, but, but elsewhere in Scripture. And when it speaks of, of the rejoicing in heaven over the judgment that comes upon saints, and we say, well, how can that be? It bothers us to see things like this, but to hear things like that, that they would be rejoicing over sinners being judged. And, you know, after all, we don't want to see anyone die and go to hell. We don't want to see anyone experience that kind of, of, of punishment. And you hear me preach all the time that people are not the enemy that our neighbors are not the enemy, that, you know, other side politically is not the enemy, that Satan is the enemy, and we are in the business of sharing the gospel with people who don't think and who don't believe like we do. That's the point of the gospel, is to reach those who have a different worldview and show them that Jesus Christ has a plan and a purpose for their lives. So we want to see people get saved. And so we ask the question, how can this be? How does all this mess together? And all I can say to you this morning is that when we arrive in heaven, we will possess a mind like the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will see things perfect. We will not not have our minds and our judgment clouded by, by the things of this world. We will see things as Jesus sees them, and we will think like he thinks, and we'll love like he does. And we will all be in perfect agreement with his plan to judge all those who have rejected him. And that's the point here. These are individuals who had the opportunity and yet they have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. When he pronounces their sentence, we will say, Amen. But also we see the saints will be rewarded. That's the second 
group that will be rewarded. The saints, the saints will be rewarded. While the lost sinners will face the Lord in judgment, faithful believers will be honored for their devotion to him. He will reward his servants. He speaks of the prophets. Those who have faithfully preached his word will be rewarded by the Lord one day. Uh, especially, you know, those who have suffered for the cause of Christ to, to share his gospel message. But also he will reward his saints, those that fear thy name, great and small. One day, every act of devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ will be rewarded by him. Nothing was too small to be missed by the Lord. Nothing that you have done will go unseen. He saw every sacrifice. He saw every labor of love. He saw every gift, every deed which was done in his name. And he will reward all those who faithfully serve him. Even He says even something so small as, as finding someone who is in need and giving them a cold cup of water in his name will be rewarded by him on that day. But then look with me at verse 19. In verse 19, this is the third point this morning. There is rejoicing over a reality. This verse almost seems out of place in this chapter, doesn't it? It just doesn't seem to fit with this scene of rejoicing in heaven. But this verse is an important verse. The mention of the temple places us back onto Jewish ground. You see, the church doesn't have a temple. We don't have a temple because we are the temple. We are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And so when he speaks of the temple, we know that he's moved back to looking at, at Jewish matters. This verse contains two great realities that I want to touch on uh, for just a moment this morning. First, the reality of access. The, the reality of access, the open temple and the vision of the ark serves to remind us that in heaven we will have open access to the Lord. We will see Him and we will be able to worship Him. There will be no veil to separate us from Him. There will be no flesh to separate us from Him. There will be nothing to keep us away from Him on that day. We'll have free, unfettered access to the Lord God of glory. And I'm excited about that. I love having access. All of us enjoy having access, special access. And that's what we will have to our God. But also we see the, rea the reality of affirmation. The mention of the ark places us, again, squarely here on Jewish ground. You see, for the Jew, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God, the communion of God, and the redemption of God. Here the Jews are reminded that God is not finished with them. And he will complete his plan for Israel. And he will keep his covenant with the seed of Abraham. Again, God never breaks his promises. Never. And so he won't break his promise to Abraham and his seed. In the Bible, there are five different names for the Ark of the Covenant mentioned. And these five names reveal what God is doing in these verses. The first name is of the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant. And in Numbers chapter 10, verses, verse 33 says, And they departed from the mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey and searched out of a resting place to them. The ancient ark contained the law. And so in these verses we see a world that has transgressed God's 
law. The world has angered the Lord, and he has come down to judge them. The second ark is the ark of the testimony. That's the second reference to the ark. And in Exodus chapter 25, verse 22, it says, And there I will meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubs, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all things which I give thee as a commandment unto the children of Israel. The ark of the testimony. The ark testifies to God's holiness. It also testifies to man's sinfulness. God is still holy and man is still a sinner. And as a sinner, man will be judged by a holy God. So again, outside of a personal love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from being covered by the blood of Jesus, all men are still sinners. You're only saved, you're only seen as a saint of God if you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how good you think you've been, it doesn't matter how, how many uh, good deeds you think you've done, how religious you think you've been, if you do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are still seen in the eyes of God as being a sinner. The third reference to the ark is the ark of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 3, he says, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep. The ark was the only visible throne of God on the earth. And so this vision of the ark reminds everyone that God is still on the throne. Also we see the ark of strength is mentioned in Psalm 132 verse 8. Arise, O Lord, inside thy rest, thou, and the ark of thy strength. It was called this. It was called this because of the miracles, because of the great works that were associated with the ark. It was referred to as the ark of strength. It showed the strength of Almighty God. We are reminded here that God is still Almighty, and He is still the one who reigns in power upon this earth. But then fifthly, we see it's called the holy ark. In 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 3, it said unto the Levites, that taught all of Israel, which were holy unto the Lord, put the holy ark in the house, which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, did build. It shall not be burdened upon your shoulders. Serve now the Lord your God and his people, Israel. It was called here the holy ark because it is where God dwelt. And where God dwells is holy. Remember, we remember that the ark, where the ark was was referred to as the holy of holies. And that's where we saw that veil uh, that separated the holy place from the holy of holies that no one could go other than the high priest once a year and only with love. And so this vision of the ark reminds us that God is still alive and well and he is still the holy God that we speak of. Verse 19 closes with premonitions of impending disaster. We know that more horrors, worse horrors than those that we have already seen thus far are on the horizon. And again, we are now at the halfway point in the tribulation. And we have seen these things from God's perspective, but now we're going to see things from Satan's perspective. And these verses have literally taken us to the very edge of eternity. The question that must be faced today is this. Which group mentioned there in verse 18 are you a part of this morning? Are you a part of the group that will be doomed and damned to hell? Are you lost this morning? 
Are you sitting in your home this morning? And if you were gut level honest with yourself, you'd have to say, I have no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, there is no hope outside of Christ. No hope at all. And you need to know that this morning. If you are in need of a relationship with God, you can come to God. You see, because apart from Him, you are under, presently under, the wrath of God this morning. The wrath of God already abides upon your life. Without Christ, the wrath of God, think about that. The wrath of God already rests upon your life. That's a frightening place to be. There's no place that you have to be because you can come to Him. You also need to know that you don't have to stay in the condition of lost. You need Jesus. Everything has been done for you to be saved. For you to be saved by His grace. At Calvary, He paid the price. It's been paid. The gift is available. The question is, will you receive it? Will you say yes to Christ? Will you say yes to the relationship with Or this morning, perhaps, I hope, you're part of that rejoicing group this morning. If you are part of that group, rejoice. If you're part of that group, Praise Him this morning for, for who He is and what He has done in your life. You ought to bow before Him and tell Him how thankful you are for the fact that He has chosen to save you and to make you His own. You're lost today, though. You may be here for the tribulation period. You may not be. But think about this. You're only a heartbeat away, a heartbeat away at any moment. All of us have to understand that we are only one heartbeat away from eternity. All that has to happen for your heart to stop, for that moment to start, is for your body to cease to, to breathe any longer, for the breath of life to leave you, and you will enter into eternity in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. This life will be over, and all that will matter is what you have decided to do. All that, all that will matter is Christ. In Washington, D.C., at the depot, there's a strange mark on a wall. That mark is there because many years ago, at the time, President James Garfield was at the depot. And an assassin walked into that depot, saw the sitting president, and fired a shot. The shot went through President Garfield, killing him instantly. And the bullet hit the wall and left a mark, and the mark is still there to this day. And it identifies that place where President Garfield stepped from time into eternity. What a strange moment. Dear friends, this morning, for every one of us, there's somewhere here on this earth going to be a mark. It may be a mark upon a deathbed somewhere. It may be a mark on an interstate highway where an accident takes place. It may be a mark somewhere in your home where you just drop dead. There is going to be a mark though at some place where time ceases on this earth for you and your eternity will begin. It came to that time today. If that mark were to be where you are sitting at this very moment, how would things be with your soul? What is your relationship with Christ at this very moment? Are you saved? That's the question. 
Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, why would you risk eternity? Christ loves you. He wants you to know Him. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. All you have to do is repent of sin, as all of us have had to and cry to Him for salvation. Ask Him to come in and be Lord of your life, and He will save you. I'm thankful for technology, because this morning you can reach out to technology. If you're watching on, on Facebook Live, you can reach out through just through the comment section. Or any of you, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or on television, either one, you can, you can reach out to me through my cell phone. My number is 270-703-9900. you need to be saved this morning, I'm as close as I would be on any other Sunday morning. I want to share Jesus with you. If you want to uh, reach out to us through Facebook Live, we've got beacons up there that can, that can share with you there. There's folks that would love to reach out and talk to you. Maybe you just need to pray this morning. We've got folks that would love to do that with you as well. How's the Lord spoken to you? How is the condition of your soul this Thanks for this. Well, Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And we thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship in a, in a different kind of way today. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, you chose to come after us, Lord, when we were unwilling to come after you. And you came to this world and you lived a sinless perfect life. You died upon the cross of Calvary, paying our sins. We, we are most thankful for the third day you died. Defeating you to death. And so I know I've got some friends today that maybe need to Help them to reach out. I pray that, that technology won't be a barrier. The Lord, they recognize we're right here. And we'd love to share with them. Help folks to reach out in whatever way is most convenient for them. If there's anybody that needs to be saved, help them to come. Or if there's anybody that needs to be prayed with, help them to reach out. And help us to be able to do that for you. But we love you. Amen.